Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. There's a song that my kids learned in Sunday school, and it's about Zacchaeus. I don't know if they sing this in the children's church over here, but it I don't know if I have the tune right, but it says something like this. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to Lord he wanted to see. As a Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. He said, Zacchaeus, you come down from there, for I'm going to your house today. Is that how it goes? Yeah, pretty close. When Anthony was about three or four, we were living in a church parsonage uh, in Memphis uh, because it wouldn't sell, and we moved in there. We moved four times in two years because we were renting, and we'd move in, and the house would sell six months later because people were living in it. It looked like a nice place to live. So we were living in the parsonage, and there was a, there was a tree in the backyard, and he it was a low branch, and he was sitting up in that branch, that low branch. And so my wife went out there and started singing that song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down from there. And Anthony said, no. (laughs) And you know what? There's a lot of people that are that way sometimes. You know, when the Lord's moving, what, whatever is happening, sometimes we have some junior, uh, some people like that junior Zacchaeus that uh, said, no, I'm, I'm not going to come down. <laughs> what do you say? We just say, whatever you want, Lord. I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. It changed Zacchaeus' life, didn't it? It changed his life. And it made a different future for him. <clears throat> I I don't know about you, but I want to to fulfill God's purpose in my life. I want to fulfill God's purpose in my life. Someone wrote, it's better to be a lion for a day than a sheep all your life. Amen. Uh, there is something interesting I read it's from a book. I haven't read the whole book, but I read this from the book. Uh, and it summarized perceptions about God that are prevalent in the church and in contemporary culture. Man, I'm glad to be in an apostolic church tonight. I just want to say, um, 
I was discussing with your pastor tonight how, how pleasant it is to come in under his anointing. And uh, I assure you tonight, the authority that I have in the spirit is delegated authority from your pastor. And I appreciate that. I don't take that lightly. When I step into this pulpit, I, I do so flowing in his anointing. And I, I give him honor tonight. You're blessed with uh, a great pastor and his wife. And they don't come any better than Simon and Katerina Butcher. I hope you understand what great leadership you have. And uh, honor them. The Bible said they're worthy of honor. Praise God. Trust me, there's enough things in the ministry that will keep you on your knees. You don't need somebody coming up saying, I think your head's getting too big. It ain't going to happen. There's plenty to keep you praying. Amen. And so so I'm glad you know that you you have great leadership. Anything you do for them uh, is, they're worthy. Amen. And uh, thank you. Uh, I, I thank God. Man, my, my, um, somebody caught wind that my wife, one of her dreams, of course, we've been to Australia, so that dream had been, that box had been ticked, you know. Uh, that was one of my dreams. And now the Lord's made it happen times ten. So, but uh, she wanted to go up to Prince Edward Island and uh, had never been there. She said, we'll probably never get there. Well, one of the saints found out about it. Man, next thing we knew, for uh, they combined an anniversary and Christmas or something and had our plane tickets and, and our hotel, and we went up to Prince Edward Island. We got to fulfill a dream, and I, I'm, I'm grateful. It's just, that's, that's kind, isn't it? I thank God for that. Um, so I operate in that, in that designated, that delegated anointing tonight, and uh, I, I want to I say I'm thankful for that. Your hospitality has been so wonderful, and I just I, I, I thank you for that. I don't know how else to say it, but uh, one of my best friends in the world, how, how did that happen when we live so far apart? That is wild, but God keeps allowing us to get back together, and I love that. I love this church. I love the history that we have uh, coming back, what is this, the fourth time here to this church, and I love that. I thank God for that. Back to this book, I, uh, part of the book I read, meanwhile back at the ranch. Um, this book, it was called Soul Searching. He summarized, the author summarized perceptions about God that are prevalent in the church and in contemporary culture. He said that most young evangelicals believed in what could best be described as moral therapeutic deism. Moral therapeutic deism. He said we could also call this viewpoint the Santa Claus God. Moral implies that God wants us to be nice. He rewards the good and withholds from the naughty. And therapeutic means that God just wants us to be happy. And deism means that God is distant and not involved in our daily lives. God may get involved occasionally, but on the whole, God functions like an idea, not a personal being actively present in our world. He said that's the prevalent view, really, a moral therapeutic deism. 
And he said, this is the version of God that's prevalent in our culture and in in many of our churches. And often without realizing it, every culture quietly molds and shapes our view of God. And we, we can't grow in our relationship with God, though, when we insist on relating to God as we think he should be. Amen? It's the same way in our human relationships. If I demand that you must meet my needs and conform to my assumptions about you, then you're going to feel cheapened and manipulated. That's why he wrote our surrender to God as he is, as he's revealed in the Bible, is so important. Otherwise, we will have a God of our own imagination. And embarrassingly, in America... God, he said, uh, seems like this obese, jolly toy maker who works one day a year. He's talking about Santa Claus. That's not who God is. God is a God that's going to challenge you to be like him. He's he's not going to leave you like you are. The the Bible said he, he when the woman was caught in the act of adultery and they drug her to him and wanted him to to preside over the execution of that woman. He didn't he didn't kill her. He didn't say everybody just pile up the rocks on her. He said if you don't have sin, then you cast a stone. He turned the tables on them. Uh, it's so easy to judge somebody else when we need to clean up our own lives. Jesus came to challenge them. And they walked away feeling like there were some changes they needed to make. And did he leave her like she was? No. He said, I'm not going to condemn you either. But turn your life around. Go and sin no more. Here's the trouble. You know... uh, There needs to be a voice in this world, a voice for God. I don't mean that we need to go, I'm not one of these activists that go out there and uh, whatever you think about it, I'm not going to go out there and and start, uh, you know, posting signs about this or that around one clinic or another place or or this or that. Uh, That's not how I do it. I want to reach those people. I want those people to be saved. Amen? But there needs to be a contrast. The Bible said we are supposed to be salt and light in the earth. Uh, We are supposed to be like a city set on a hill. We are a contrast to this world. So people that are looking for God can find him as we shine our light. Now, if it's all right, I'm going to preach to the church tonight. Everybody's welcome to listen. But I'm going to preach into this church's culture and into this church's future, if that's all right. Amen. Is that all right with you all? You going to stick around with me? You know, I wish there could have been a different alternate ending in Indonesia back on October 25th in 2010. That's when a massive earthquake set off a tsunami that leveled whole villages, leaving hundreds dead or missing. But when that earthquake set off that tsunami, and, and, and according to the survivors, the deaths could have been avoided or at least minimized. Unfortunately, the tsunami warning system, it was two buoys 
off of the island that weren't working properly. As a result, the warning system did not alert the islanders of the coming danger. Since 2004, experts have been uh, improving the tsunami detection network. It's, they have these dart buoys, as they're called, and they measure wave height. If a buoy measures uh, uh, an unusual wave, it transmits the information to the shore. And then the system provides the only warning signal for islanders to prepare for the oncoming danger. But unfortunately, according to the report, this system, the buoys that were part of that system, had become detached and they had drifted away. And the sensors failed. As many as 30% have been inoperable at any one time. And as a result, the detection system failed to awaken the people to the reality of the tragedy. You know, I wish there had been a better warning system in Sodom. When you look at the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in the Bible, if you're familiar with that story, would you raise your hand? Lot and Sodom, I'm leaning on some of your biblical uh, knowledge tonight. Would to God that, that someone could have warned Sodom and Gomorrah of the judgment that was about to hit. But Lot had become detached and drifted away from his purpose. And he was an ineffective witness and warning. The desperate level that his witness had sunk to was obvious in the response of his sons-in-law. The Bible said, then the men said to Lot, have you any else, anyone else here? The angels said that to him, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. For we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But the Bible says to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. I mean, listen, if someone runs through this building and says, there is a fire that has broke out from the electrical system, it's time to evacuate. Wouldn't you want to move pretty quick? Man, I'm telling you, the day I had heart surgery, my wife... Some man came in there and shaved my leg. I was so embarrassed. Not a pleasant experience. They were going to have to take the vein out of my leg to do the heart bypass. And my wife was leaning over my head to kiss me before I went into surgery. And she did not know it, but she had her alarm set on this vicious, brutal noise that sounded like an evacuation alarm. And as she leaned over, and my heart 
was at the point, I mean, I had all this anxiety and the stress. She leaned over to comfort me, and all I heard was, I thought they were going to wheel me in a gurney out to the yard outside. I did not know what on earth was going she on. She didn't know it was her alarm. She was trying to figure it out, too. I, I wanted to get up out of the bed. I, 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 settle down, Mr. Trumbull. We got you hooked up to everything. But the sons-in-law thought he was making a joke. That's not a very good witness. Sodom was a city we wish had an alternate ending. It was a city that was used as the bellwether for depicting the debauchery and the depravity of sin and the judgment and the consequences of that sin. Sodom was a wicked city. Would you agree with that? Sodom was a horrible city. I mean, when your testimony comes to God about how wicked you are, and he says, I'm not putting up with it anymore, that's serious. Jesus, when he walked on this earth, he began to denounce the towns where he had done so many miracles because they had not repented of their sins and turned to God. He said, what sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida, for the, if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show remorse. I tell you, Tyre and Sidon, it will be better off on judgment day then you, Tyre and Sidon, will be better off in Judgment Day than you. And the people of Capernaum, everybody say Capernaum. Will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. Listen to what Jesus said. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in wicked Sodom, it would still be here today. That's what Jesus said. Now the destruction of Sodom was a miracle, was it not? Was that not a supernatural event for fire and brimstone to come from heaven? Why did God refuse to show something sensational to the people that were so wicked? Was it because Sodom had a witness in Lot? Now, I want you to think about this. When Sodom was under indictment from heaven, the Bible says that the men of the city gathered around the angels before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city, surrounded the house. They shouted to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out. They wanted to physically have relations with the men and, and, and abuse them. 
And so Lot stepped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. Please, my brothers, he begged, don't do such a wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters. I can't believe he said that. Let me bring them out to you. You can do with them as you wish. But please leave these men alone, for they are my guests and are under my protection. Listen to what they said. Stand back, they shouted. This fellow came to town as an outsider, and now he's acting like our judge. We'll treat you far worse than those men. And they lunged for the, toward Lot to break down the door. The Lord protected Lot. The angels pulled him back in, struck them with blindness. But here's what I want to point out. They said, you moved to town, and now you're acting like our judge. We are living in a culture where if you won't participate in the evil, you are seen as judgmental. It's like you don't even have an option. If you, do you understand what I'm saying? They said... they, they did, I don't see anywhere where Lot was out uh, uh, preaching against what they were doing. I don't see any reference. But only because he would not participate in their sin. They said, you're judgmental. And that's the culture we live in today. Isn't that amazing how far this world has come? How many of you remember the prayer that Abraham prayed? Lord, if you find 50 righteous... Raise your hand if you remember reading about that. If you find 50 righteous, would you save the city? And then he kept lowering the number, right? If you see 45 righteous, would you save the city? If you find 30 righteous, will you save the city? Yes, I'll save the city. If you find 25, 20, if you find 10, will you save the city? Was he praying the right prayer? I don't mean to indict Abraham. But was he praying the right prayer? Because you know what? It seemed like there should have been ten righteous in Lot's family. But Lot had not been effective as a witness in his city. The Bible states that Lot was righteous, but the fact that Lot was righteous was not enough to save Sodom. Can I just stop and say something to you today, church? It's not enough just to be a good person. It's not enough to just have the Holy Ghost, Brother Donald. It's not enough to just live right. We can live right all day long. We can live right in Perth. We can live right, and nobody's life can be changed around us. The Bible said Lot was a righteous person, but I don't see anybody following him outside of the city. I don't see anybody's lives that were changed. It's time to open up our mouth and say, you know what, I want to tell you what God's done for me. It's time for us to be salt and light. It's time for us to make a difference in our... Oh, come on, I need some more amens. It ain't enough for me to just know the truth. It ain't enough for me to just 
be a good person. It's not enough for me to just be a good father. It's not enough. i got to open up my mouth and say, Sister, I want to tell you, God healed my son of cancer. I want to tell you, the Lord touched my family. The Lord has ministered to me. I want to tell you how good God is. I want to do a Bible study. I want to reach out. i got to make a difference in my city. i got to make a change. I've got to be effective. Now, this is what's amazing. In a, it's on, I think I had it on, on the screen in, in uh, the New King James Version. When Jesus began to rebuke the cities, he did miracles in these cities. He did miracles in, in uh, Bethsaida. He did miracles in, in Capernaum. But Jesus said, I didn't say this, Jesus said it. He said... If I had done the works in Sodom that I had done here, we'd have had a revival in Sodom. That city would have been saved. Really? That's the title of my message tonight, Revival in Sodom. Are you serious, Jesus? You mean Sodom could have been saved? Do you mean Sodom could have had a different future? Jesus said, a demonstration of my power would have saved them. I'm telling you today, our world does not simply need to see a righteous person living among them. It's not enough to say they see my life. Sodom was destroyed, although there was a witness living among them. Everyone around us needs a demonstration of the power of Almighty God. What good is righteousness if there is no power? What good is righteousness if there is no power? Jesus said, if there, the miracles I had done had happened there, Sodom would still be around. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Could Jesus have had revival in Sodom? So how can our cities be saved? How can, how can this world be saved? We need apostolic demonstration. I said we need apostolic demonstration. It ain't enough to have truth. We need apostolic demonstration. I'm praying God give me an opportunity. I'm going to pray with somebody in the supermarket. The Lord can touch somebody. I'm telling you, I was in a hospital one time. I was visiting a football player. Uh, He he played not in the fancy league uh, in the States, not in the NFL, but he played in in one of the other leagues. And he was a football player, and he had his head smashed in, and and his, his brain, literally, it broke part of his skull. His head looked like a deflated ball. Uh, and they were making up a plastic uh, uh, replacement part <laughs> to put in his head. And you know what? I, I, I saw a man that was visiting this football player. I didn't even know him. But the Lord spoke to me. Stand up here and be my, my visitor friend in the hospital. And so the football player's out of it. He's, he's laying in the bed. But the Lord said, that guy right there, this is your only chance. This is your only chance. 
I said, man, I like you, Seth. Why don't we do a Bible study? Is Tuesday or Thursday better for you? He said, Tuesday. The next Tuesday, we started a Bible study. Seth said, do you mind if I bring my friend? Let me think. No, I don't mind if you bring your friend. You can be seated. Seth brought Matt, and Matt sat in on the Bible study. Matt was his roommate at the, at the chiropractic college he was going to. And, and, and Matt finally said, uh, it, it, man, it was going crazy. Half of the time they were talking to each other about, about what the Lord was doing, and, 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 and he was, the Lord was working. And Matt said, can I bring my girlfriend? Yes, you can bring your girlfriend. I started another Bible study with, with Matt and his girlfriend. That led to about five Bible studies. We, I remember the day I baptized Matt. Uh, Matt was baptized and his girlfriend was baptized in Jesus' name, and, and Seth came to watch. Well, Seth was where I started. Seth said, I brought my clothes. You think I could be baptized too? Five people from that one hospital visit from someone I didn't know. Who is walking around us every day? Who is walking around saying, all I need is one witness. All I need is somebody to tell me what I need to do in my life. I don't have any answers. There were people that walked around a lot every day. Jesus said, if I had been there, we'd have had church. If I'd have been there, we'd have had revival. If I would have been there, if I had done the works there, we would have had some more kind of move of the Spirit in Sodom. We need more power than we need performance. Amen? I appreciate the music. I love this church because they believe in worship. And it's true. There's a difference between music and worship. This church loves to worship, and I love that. But that power is what we need more than we need performance. We need Jesus more than, than people need us. We need Jesus to show up. Amen? Paul said, I didn't come with enticing words of men's wisdom, but power and demonstration. That's what he said. I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear. In Paul's day, the Greeks made such a big deal about oratory and, and rhetorical speech. And, they, and he said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's what we need. We need God's power. We need God's power. I appreciate it, man. I wish I could get out uh, $64 words and, and, and wow you with, my, with my, uh, my, my, my talent and my eloquence. I can't do it. But I tell you what, if you spend five seconds with Jesus Christ at this altar, he can turn your life around. He can do what nobody else can do. It's power that makes the difference. There are three things we have to have to have revival. If Jesus can have revival in Sodom, he took away all of our excuses.
You hear what I'm saying? If Jesus could have said, I could, we would have had a church in Sodom. If I had done what I did in Capernaum there, there'd still be a church there today. There'd still be a city there today. We need faith. Everybody say we need faith. You know why he indicted Capernaum? Because Jesus could do no greater works there because of their unbelief. He, he, he talked about being a prophet without honor in his own country. We can worship Jesus Christ and believe, though. He's in an atmosphere of faith tonight. We can believe God. Man, there was faith rising in this house this morning. I'm telling you, there were people. There's going to be stories come out of that service, miraculous stories that come out of that service because people took God at it. Come on, you believe that God is working. There was faith in this house. God loves faith. God loves faith. He loves faith. I got a question for you. I'm going to try to get done here. I'm trying to find a landing spot. Why didn't Jesus, you know, when Jesus rose from the dead, Brother Cornelius, why didn't he, he, he spoke to uh, the women and said, you tell the disciples I'll meet them in Galilee. Well, so Galilee wasn't next door. Why didn't he say I'll meet them at the corner restaurant down the street. That would have been a lot easier. Why didn't he say, I'll, I'll meet them where we have the Last Supper? And he didn't say that. He said, I'll meet them in Galilee. Three days journey. Let me tell you why I believe it. Is that all right? Can I tell you how, why I believe Because in Jerusalem, they were scared to death. They were boarding up the windows and locking the doors, and they were afraid they were next to be crucified. But Galilee is where Jesus did most of his miracles. Galilee is where he walked on water. Galilee is where he cleansed the ten lepers. Galilee is where he did all those miraculous things. And you know what? The three worst days of their life, when Jesus was in the tomb, was followed by three days walking and traveling toward Galilee. And you know what? Every time they took another step, they said, you know what? That's where he made a blind man see right there. You believe he, he could be alive. I believe he could have gotten out of the tomb. I believe maybe he, he is who he said he was. You know, right there is when he, where he made a, a lame man walk. That's where he healed a deaf man, right there. I'm, oh, they got into an atmosphere of faith. Watch this. They needed to spend time with Jesus in Galilee to build their faith. He could operate in that atmosphere of faith. And then when he ascended up into heaven, the angel said, you men of Galilee... What are you looking at? The same Jesus is going to come back, but right now he wants you to go back to your problems, back to your fear. Now that you have what he's given you, go back and wait for the promise of the Father. Go back to Jerusalem. Why didn't he pour out the Holy Ghost in Galilee? They had to go back to face their fears with the promise of the Holy Ghost. Go back to Jerusalem. I'm telling you, Jesus can do it. Jesus, if you'll just operate in faith, if you'll just reach out in faith, if you'll just reach out in faith, God can handle it. God can give you the power that you need. 
Let's stand together. We need faith. Everybody say faith. We need power. If Jesus had done the same miracles in Sodom, it would have been spared. And we need his presence. He said, if I'd have been there, we could have saved Sodom. If I would have been there. You know, here's the good news. He's here. (laughs) He's here tonight. We got what we need. You bring the faith. He's got the power and his presence is here. That's how we're going to win our city. That's how we're going to make a difference in this part of Australia. That's how we're going to build this church. That's how we're going to, we're going to double. That's how we're going to make a difference. Jesus already paid for it. Isn't it amazing? There was not enough pressure to keep Jesus out of Sodom. There wasn't enough problems to keep Jesus out. There wasn't even enough sin to overpower Jesus. He said, if I'd have been there, Sodom would still be around. There wasn't enough immorality to keep Jesus out. Jesus said, Capernaum, if I'd have done these miracles there, if I would have reached my arms out there, we'd have had church. We'd have had revival. We'd have a move of God. Do you think he can do that in Perth? If he said he could do that in Sodom, you believe he can do that in Perth? You believe he could do that in Malaga? You believe if he could do it in Sodom with no help, that he could do it? Well, his presence is here. His power is here. I've felt it all weekend long. If you'll bring the faith, then we can have revival. Even in this day that we live in, Jesus paid for it. I don't know who would have been the first convert. Maybe it would have been the mayor. Maybe it would have been the magistrate. Maybe it would have been a businessman in Sodom. But Jesus could have reached out and said, I got something great for you. Would you believe in me? Maybe then he would bring, go get your neighbor. Get his neighbor. Where are you going, Jesus? I'm going to church in Sodom. We're going to go have church in Sodom. We're going to bring somebody with us. What's happening? The Holy Ghost is falling. What's happening? People are being healed. What's happening? Lives are being transformed. But hey, you can't have revival. This is Sodom. Don't tell Jesus that. Don't tell Jesus that. He said, he said let me tell you something. You can't keep me out. You can't keep me out. I'm ready. 
Who knows who would have been? Maybe the sons-in-law would have been some of the first ones that really got a got a, a an experience with God. Just stay up with me, church. Stay up with me. I got my church with me here in 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 Sodom. I got my church with me here in an impossible situation. You say I can't have revival in my high school. I can't have revival in my workplace. I can't. Well, don't tell Jesus that because Jesus said you can. I can't have revival in my family. Don't tell Jesus that, but because Jesus says you can. All you need is his power. All you need is a little faith. All you need is his presence. Come on, you believe that? You believe God can do a great work in this last day? You believe God can do a great work? In, I don't care how many people run their car over others. I don't care how many terrorists are in the world. We're going this summer, August Right into the middle of it, preaching a conference in Brussels, Belgium. Hotbed of terrorism. But you know what? You're not going to keep God out of Brussels. I don't care how many cars run into the people on the street. God's bigger. My Bible tells me when sin abounded, grace much more abounded. His power's bigger than the terrorism in this world. His power. We're having a great revival among the Muslims. We're having a great revival. We're having a great revival. God's going to do a great work in this last day. Do you believe it? If you believe it, I want you to come to the front. Say, Lord, if you can have revival in Sodom, then you can have revival in my heart. You can have revival in my family. You can have revival in this city. Hallelujah. 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 While you're coming, I'm going to talk one more time, then I'm going to stop and let us pray, okay? Come on and let's pray together. I, I was in the prison system in Memphis. Not me. I wasn't arrested. I, it wasn't me, but I, I was preaching in the prison. I better clarify that. Didn't do a background check. Maybe you need to check me out. We're, we're in the prison. Murderers. Man, they showed up for church that night. I preached in that prison one time, and somebody was talking all the way through church. Man, it made me so mad. I got so angry, just like this to the person next to him. I said, well, let's pay attention to everybody. I was getting a little perturbed. Yeah, 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 like this. I got a little aggravated. Finally, I, I found out uh, they were interpreting for the person next to him in Spanish. I felt like such an idiot. The man was helping me all the time. I was like, stop talking. But I remember she's laughing at me out loud. Do you hear that? That's, that's how spiritual I am. I didn't know there were interpreting man I was there one night the Holy Ghost fell brother Donald these criminals some have been there for 20 years some of them would never get out but the Holy Ghost started falling one started speaking in tongues over here. Some, somebody else started speaking in tongues over here. God filling him with the Holy Ghost. Somebody receiving the Holy Ghost. Before I, I knew it, I looked around and 15 
prisoners in that small service had been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost just in a matter of minutes, just in a matter Oh, can Jesus have revival in Sodom? He went down into a, a maximum security prison. Uh, it was all those criminals. He just fell down there. You know what? The bars couldn't keep him out, brother. The security couldn't keep him out. The barbed wire couldn't keep him out, Brother Tukina. Jesus said, oh, no. I can have revival right in the middle of that. You believe God can touch in this city? Do you believe God can touch in your family? Do you believe God can? If he can do it in Sodom, we've lost all excuses. God can do it tonight. I want you to lift up your hands all over this building. And I want you to bring your faith right now. Say, God God can fill you with the Holy Ghost tonight. If Jesus said he could do it in Sodom, then he can fill you with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands all over this place. Begin to worship the Lord. Oh, God, I bring my faith. You've got the power. You can supply the power. Your presence is here. Your presence is here. He's here right now. He's here right now. He's going to make a difference in this city. He's going to make a difference in your life. He's going to make a difference in your marriage. He's going to make a difference in your family. He's going to make a difference in this world. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Come on, have faith in Jesus Christ for his power to move in your situation right now. Hallelujah. 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 I believe you for a miracle. I believe you for a miracle. I believe you for a touch from God. I believe you can forgive my sin. I believe you can change my future. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.